Amen. Come on, put somebody's hand in your hand right now. We're going to pray right now. I'm just excited about what God is doing in the midst of our church. Amen. Come on, dear Heavenly Father, we just come in agreement right now, Father God, that we just ask you, Lord, that you will have your way in our hearts in this place, that you will speak to each and every one of us, Father God, that you shall truly speak a word of inspiration to us, God, a word of change, a word of transformation, not a feel-good word today, Father God, not a make-me-happy word, God, but a, a word that makes you happy, God. And God, help us to see that the things that make you happy don't always make us happy, Father God. Sow this word deep in our hearts, Father, that we may hear your voice and only your voice, Father. Come on, somebody say amen. 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 I was uh, just the other day, and this has happened to me quite some time, uh, maybe somebody could concur with me today, that I was driving and I was thinking about something as I was driving a 95, and as I was driving, I was so deep in thought that I woke up almost about 10 exits later. And anybody remember driving on the highway and then you're just like, wow, I got this far. Where, where, I don't remember the last 10 exits. Anybody? Is it just me? And so, and so I, even worse, sometimes some drivers fall asleep at the wheel. Yeah, yeah. Even worse, uh, it's estimated that 100,000 accidents happen every year because people are falling asleep at the wheel. 71,000 people get hurt every year because of people who fall asleep at the wheel. 1,500 people die every year minimally because of people who fall asleep at the wheel. And I would just have to say, if I had to choose some words to describe the body of Christ in the United States, it is asleep at the wheel. And people get hurt when church falls asleep at the wheel. I wish you would understand today that people get hurt when the church falls asleep at the wheel. Somebody looked at the person next to you, asked them, you asleep at the wheel? I found myself so many times just driving and dozing off. Anybody ever found you? I have a cousin of mine who remained nameless who's sitting in the first row with a green shirt right next to Manny. And um, I'm not going to say his name. Um, his brother's Daniel. His father's Daniel. But anyways, he calls me periodically and says, I'm, I said, what's up? Because nothing. I'm driving. I'm like, oh, falling asleep, are we? And he'll call me when he's, he's falling asleep. But yet, I think the church needs to call God when we fall asleep. You see... Falling asleep at the wheel can be quite dangerous, but those are the words that I have to choose to describe the body of Christ in America. Not, not this church, the body of Christ. Not the Spanish church, not the African American church, not the Caucasian church, not the Asian church in America. The body of Christ, somebody say, is asleep. Nowadays, um, and forgive me today if, if you get offended by anything I say to you, for I remember as a child the day when this word offended was not in the church, and we used this other word called conviction. And forgive me, but today is not a feel-good day. Today is a day of, of really recognition of where am I at in my Christian walk. Amen? Nowadays, when the spirit of conviction sweeps through the church, we're more inclined to, to be offended rather than to be liberated by the truth. For the Bible says, the truth shall set you free. Does it not? You, you can't desire God to do things in certain parts of your life and not the other parts. See, yesterday, I spent my morning uh, at my hand at gardening, and not really gardening, but just taking out all the weeds around my place, and, and I, 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 I didn't, wasn't the greatest at it, so I used a weed whacker from Jim, and I had a bunch of poison, and I was spraying everywhere, and I realized that if I didn't have the right poison with the right mixture of water, it wasn't going to happen, but what really struck me was that I had to put water in the poison. It was like, it was like one part poison, three part water. And so there's always a lot of life mixed with a little bit of death that'll kill you. And it's just like the enemy, he'll get you to fall asleep just a little bit. He don't need you to be asleep all the time, just a little bit of the time. 
And so if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 25, you see, church, we live in extremely perilous times. I would declare to you today that we are living in the last days. <clears throat> we've heard that said. We've heard it preached. We've heard it spoken. We are living in the last days. We are living in days that people just don't recognize the time in which we live. Jesus declared that we are the salt and the light of the earth. We've heard this scripture. We are the salt and the light of the earth. You are the preservers and the illuminators of society. And so it is in Matthew 25, 1 through 13, it says this. And at the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy. And they fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for the both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were out, or rather on their way to the, buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived and the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. And later the others also came and, sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. This parable Jesus is telling is spoken on the week of his crucifixion. See, weddings in ancient times were almost always at night involving approximately ten maidens. The bridegroom would go to the house of the bride and he would, he would stay there. And sometimes he would stay there late for a period of feasting before he came to, to pick up his bride. And the virgins would have their lamps burning awaiting the wedding party. And sometimes they would have to wait a long time because the bridegroom would be doing whatever he thought necessary in, in the time prior. Many times they would wait long periods of time before they picked up the bridegroom or rather the virgins, and the virgins were to remain alert with their lamps burning so that no matter what time or what happened, no matter when it was that when the bridegroom came, they were ready. If the virgin went to sleep or didn't have sufficient oil in their lamps to keep it burning, then they would miss out altogether on everything that was planned. And today, in this story, the virgins represent the church. The church has always got to be in a constant state of preparation and readiness for Christ. Nobody wants to be ready for God, Pastor Carmen. We have to be ready. We've got to live every day as if it's our last day. And that don't mean to be reckless. It means to be faithful. You see, because many Christians have faith, but they aren't faithful. And being faithful and having faith are two different things. And so I would tell you today, the church has got to wake up for, this is displayed in Mark, the 14th chapter, that the church and Christians have a, have a habit of falling asleep at the worst times. You see, Jesus was about to be crucified. He was in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying and the Bible says he is so distraught that his blood, rather his tears turned to blood. 
And all he was depending on was on his, his disciples to be praying. And he left them in, in two different divisions. He, he left some at the gate. Then he went further with some and then even left those. And he said, just pray. And he went back and he said to Peter and the apostles, you're sleeping at a time where I need you. And the Son of Man is about to be given into the hands of people who will kill him. And you are sleeping. I would challenge you that God, right now, the bridegroom is being betrayed into the hands of sinners and we are sleeping. The church is sleeping. Jesus came to them and he was astounded. He was hurt. And every day nowadays, Christ is betrayed and cheated on, not just by the world, but by the church also. I wish we could be honest that our lives are still full of sin. After months and weeks and years, some of us, a lifetime of church, we are so still full of dirty sin. We still have all the habits, all the secrecy around our lives. If you weren't here Wednesday, grab a CD. We talked about secret sin. Secret sins lead to a very public hell. And we, we, we have all these things after so long of serving God, and yet still we have the secrecy in our lives of the things that do not please God as if we fool somebody. Oh, look to the person next to you and ask them, you asleep at the wheel? The church has been asleep for years. I wish you could understand. The church was so concerned about what you wore to church they didn't care about what you did at home. You could have come to church with this, could have come to church with that. We were so busy about the exterior, they failed to worry about the interior. As long as the women didn't wear makeup, as long as the men didn't do this, it was okay. But we missed the meeting on Capitol Hill about homosexual marriage. Oh, but the women don't wear pants to church, we're okay. Nobody really marched on, on Capitol Hill to stop prayer from coming out of schools. And now our schools are statistically the most dangerous place for your kid to be. But, but as long as we know that your skirt is below your knee and you're not dressed like a skank in church. And men, fellas, you're not, you know, you're not wearing your hat in church. You're all right. We're okay. The church is asleep. I was listening to the radio yesterday, and 756 gay marriages right now today are happening in New York City. 756 gay, because they finally legalized it, and 756 people could not wait. On a Sunday morning, they're all getting, 756 homosexual marriages are happening right now. And the church is asleep. We don't, we don't care about abortions and babies' rights. We don't care about that because we care about our careers, the things that please us. But in order to be someone who pleases God and to be a God chaser, you must do things that don't always please yourself. Got one person, two people, who are willing not to please themselves. And so in this story, you have these ten virgins, and, and these, these virgins are carrying their lamps, and these lamps, they signify faith. This oil they're talking about signifies faith. Now the extra oil actually signifies the works of your faith. You see, because there's got to be faith and the works of your faith. You cannot have faith and never do anything for God. It just can't be. The extra oil spoken of in this is really speaking of the things that keep your Christian life going. The things that keep you on fire for God. See, those are the things you don't always want to do. That's called Monday night prayer. Wednesday night Bible studies. 
That's called Monday morning, reading your Bible before you go to work. That's called actually, you know, coming out, being an usher in the church, being someone who does the works of God and not just hears the word of God. Because you must be a doer and not just a hearer of the word. Because the Bible says if you are just a hearer, you only deceive yourselves and you are like a man who looks into a mirror and walks away and forgets what you look like. You've got to be a doer of the word. And so if you find yourself in time during your week while you wait for the second coming of Christ, then you find yourself dying in your faith, not wanting to go on. Oh, this isn't worth it. Oh, this is nothing. You are not doing the works of God, which produce the oil and the anointing of God to keep you moving forward. And here you thought there was a problem with God. And the problem lies in us that there are not the works of God. And if there are the works of God, we've turned, we, we've turned working for God into a job rather than being a privilege and an honor. Working for a king. That's why every now and then you've got to swap out whole teams. Take the whole sound booth team and switch them all out. They turned it into a job rather than a, a journey. We've got to change the ushers soon. It's, now, it's a job now. It's not a, it's not a pleasure to serve the king. When it becomes a job, it's no longer good. You feel ins- you have to do it. You see, there's a new excitement in the kids' ministry because there's new different things going on. And, and what happens is before, it was turning into a job. I got to work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now I got to work on Sunday. And it comes into it. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody know what I'm talking about? And we lose the oil. We lose the purpose of what we do. And we are like those ten virgins. Five of them had oil, five of them didn't. The other five said, give me some of your oil. Listen, character and obedience cannot be transferred. You cannot transfer. Just because I'm doing God's work don't mean I can give you some of my energy and my oil. I can't do it. You've got to get into God's presence and do your own thing. You've got to get into God's presence to be a doer and not a hearer. You cannot constantly come and experience God and wait for someone else's anointing to move you. Listen, praise and worship and prayer, I just read it right now, right before I walked in here. It's not an open mic night. This is not about moving you. It's about moving God. We have got to understand this, that the virgins, five of them were foolish, five were wise, meaning five were Christian who did God's work and five only came on Sunday morning and listened. And what you desire from God and what your spirit craves cannot be achieved on a once a week relationship with God. I'm so sorry to break it to some of you guys that you come on Sundays and I just might not see you in my neighborhood in heaven. You have to have the works of God in you. You've got to have the joy of the works of God in you. We cannot fall asleep at the wheel and just think that God is going to take us. We have got to understand these things in this parable, these lamps of this faith. That we have, and as I told you before, being faithful and having faith are very, very different things for even the sinner believes in Christ. Some, some people I know who aren't saved are more faithful to God than some people I see here every day of the week. Because some people, you know, some people can be present without being present. You know what I mean? And so other folks can be present without being a present to God. So it means you come in, but you're not a gift to God ever. You just absorb from God. You always take from God, but never give to God. You're a taker, a taker, a taker, and you just take and take and take. This extra oil, we need this because this, 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 this parable is speaking of the second coming of Christ. And, and the reason we need this is because we know not when he comes. 
We saw a couple of months ago some people tried predicting it. It didn't work out so great. That was awkward. Sunday morning rolled around. <laughs> awkward. We're still here. And, you, and so are your posters, May 21st, the end of the world. We need this extra oil to do the works of God, the will of God, to keep us on fire. Do you know why some of us die in our Christianity? Because we don't do anything for God. You see, we die in our Christianity because we were never living in Christianity. We spend so much time living for Christianity, we don't live in Christianity. And so because you live for it, it means every Sunday morning, you're all for it. I voted for the president, but I'm not going to back him up. <laughs> we are for God, but we're not in God. I wish you would understand this. Some of you might get that when you go home tonight. Oh, now I go. Oh. <laughs> you got that? Emma, you good? I'm good. Emma got it. It's good. So we've got to understand that these five versions are wise. Five of them are foolish. Which are you? Are you wise today? Are you one of the foolish ones? Do you have the works of God in you? Do you have the works of God in you? We must be prepared. We don't know when he's coming. We need this extra oil. We need these works of God. We need to be volunteering and giving to the church. We need to be a part of something functioning in God, not just for God. For if we do not, we don't have the oil. And you will find yourself crawling in here day after day. You're coming here on Sunday. You're crawling on a Wednesday. And you were just, I'm dying in my spirit and I don't know why. And every three months you have an experience and, a, and an encounter with God and you realize I got to give this all up and you come back. And we are like a tree in the wind. The Bible describes us. We are just blown to and fro. And we just bend and break every time. We must be prepared for we know not. We, we don't know when Christ is coming. You must be a doer of the word, not a hearer. You can't just hear the word and not do anything about it. Do you understand this today? Anybody getting anything from this? Being a member of a church doesn't make you a citizen of heaven. It doesn't add up like that. There is no directory in church that makes you part of heaven. Coming to church is no guarantee of heaven. There's usually two directories that most Christians put all their faith in their stock in. One of them is a church membership, but the other one should be the Lamb's Book of Life. You should concern yourself if your, life, if your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Consider the biblical examples of them, those who were in the church directories but not in God's book. Con uh, consider the parable of the sower, if you know it. Two out of the three servants were lost. The parable of the talents where the, where the master went away and gave his servants money. Two of them did good, one of them did not, and one of them was killed. The parable of the virgins, five did good and five were lost. These, you must understand, they were lost not because they were in sin. Oh, understand this. These, these the, um, five virgins were lost not because they were in sin, not because they did wrong in the eyes of God, not because they were horrible people, not because they had, had secret sins, but because they were unprepared. Unprepared. Five people left behind because they were unprepared. Nothing to do with sin now. If I could just spend a few minutes, and, and I hope everybody doesn't say, that's me. I'm not sinning. I'm just unprepared. No, some of us are sinners. Oh, let's just be honest. Matter of fact, all of us are sinners. Some of us are, you know, we have a culture of sinning in our life, and some of us have, we mess up in sin. You know, commit sins, omit sins, whatever it may be. And so, and so understand that, that you have to understand that you need to be prepared at all times. You've got to be prepared at all. You know not when he comes. You know not what he does when he comes. 
You must be prepared at all times. And you must be prepared and keep awake with the oil of God in your life. The oil of God in your life, the works of God. As I told you earlier, five foolish versions sought the oil, rather the oil and the good works of the other five wise versions. And as I told you, character and obedience are not transferable. Just because Emma is being obedient to God does not mean he can transfer that to somebody with him. And, and you, can, you have to understand that you are the owner of your good works in God. Mothers, fam, I'm sorry. Your, your good works will not save your children. Fathers, I'm sorry. It will not. Your children have to maintain their own good works before the Lord. Romans 14, 12. So then, each of us will give account of himself to God. You're going to give an account of yourself, nobody else. When it comes to Christianity, we must pray for everyone, we must look out for everyone, but by the same token, we got to take care of numero uno. Bible says worry about yourself. Reach out to others, love the world, but you will give an account about yourself to the Lord. You will give an account about what you do to God. Don't worry about so-and-so's sin, and don't worry about somebody isn't praising God during praise and worship. Worry about yourself. You will give an account to God. You will give an account to God for what it is you do. Therefore, we must be prepared. You see, outwardly by having our lamps lit, and inwardly we must have that, that obedience to God. Obedience is just an outward form of preparation to God. Obedience on the outside. See, obedience deals with your actions. Submission deals with your attitude. And we must have both of them working together so that God can see on the outside that we are trying to do his will. You, you can't just have an inward experience with God all the time. You can't just, oh, wow, God is moving so deeply in me. If you could see what is happening in my heart, I'm just so moved and stirred. God is just shaking me, but we're all just still like a rock. But God is doing, we get up here, oh, God did such an amazing thing in my life, and we could never tell before he said it. Because you were just as dead as a doornail. There's got to be an outward expression of what is taking place inwardly. Five versions had it. They had the extra oil because they were obedient. Inwardly, they had the outward expression of character and obedience to God. Because it takes character to be obedient. People who don't care about how people think about them and their character don't mind being disobedient to God. And so I would challenge you that we need to have character and obedience in our hearts. Just a simple, a very simple, the most simple outward expression of preparation to God is being faithful in attending services in church. To have faith without obedience is like having a lamp without oil, a car without gas. It's just not going to work. 2 Peter 1 verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, you, have to, you can't have one without the other. You have to keep adding on. You can't just be persevering and, and never have anything else. You have to add on. Anybody getting this? It's like a recipe. You've got to keep adding on. You don't just stop at being obedient. 
You don't just stop at godliness. You don't just stop at self-control. You have to go into self-control brings perseverance, and perseverance brings godliness. And you have to work the process. For everything that you are ever successful in life, there was a process you used to get there. It didn't happen overnight. Rome was not built overnight, but there was always a process of the way things happened. You built the foundation. You framed it out. Then you built the interior, exterior, and you worked it from the inside out. You're understanding this today. There's got to be a process to you being prepared to God so you do not fall asleep at the wheel of your life while God has need of you right now, and you sleep in your chair, and you're, you're just not aware of what God needs from you. And some of you are sitting here don't understand. No, I don't get this because you are unprepared and you are spiritually asleep. We don't want to hear about how God needs for me to do something. We want to know what God's going to do for me. What God's going to do for me is allow me to do something for him. It's obvious too many Christians are allowing their lamps to go out. Many do little work for the Lord. We're not even faithful in our attendance of church services. We give little of ourself, our time, or let alone money. In the day of judgment, you're not going to be with an excuse before God. You will not be before God with an excuse. Five foolish versions can only blame no one but themselves. There's no passing the buck on the day of judgment. There's no passing the buck. Oh, Lord, I was busy. I had a situation. I had a circumstance. And, and I, you know, we sit there. God sees your situation. Of course he does. He lets you get there. Tell me how to get out of my situation, Pastor, by being faithful to God, by being obedient to God, putting God first and not everything else in your life. Put God, yes, God sees your situation. He put you there because you were insolent. The Bible says we were arrogant, and he let us slip under our own weight. Deuteronomy, oh, read the Bible. You would find some amazing things. And so when we go outside the will of God, he lowers his hedge of protection around us. We don't know when he's coming back. We must be prepared. We live in horrible times. They're teaching kids all types of foolishness in school, teaching evolution. They're, I think the kids are now learning yoga. Doesn't sound so bad until you know where the, what the roots of yoga is. Spiritism and new age. You, you have to understand these roots and understand what our children are learning. You can ill afford to fall asleep. Don't just look saved and act saved. Be saved. For five versions, we're unprepared and five are prepared. In the church, we may all look alike. Many of us may look Christian. But I, I would venture to be so bold as to tell us that many of us don't have enough oil in our lamps. Many of us have no joy in Christ anymore. Many of us, we just think that we have to do it or else he's going to smash us and destroy us even more. Many of us, we find so much, we found, we, we find so much pleasure in, in living in our misery rather than, I, I don't understand that we just love living in misery. And we never let God take over. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praises from God. Man, at that time, he says, at that time, at the appointed time, you can't hide your emotions. You can't hide your motives. You can't hide anything you've been doing. Man, I'm telling you, if I'm trying to get one point across to you, are you ready for Christ? Are you ready for God? Are you doing anything for God? What are you doing today? 
I told you last week, what is the eternal value of what you do on a weekly basis? Or is everything you do based on just a temporary life? There's got to be more than what you're living for. There's got to be more than what you're doing. You've got better things to do with your time. Just because someone next to you, your husband, your wife, is doing great things for God does not mean that God accounted to you. Where is your oil? You see, these five virgins, they, they came, or rather they went to buy oil. And yet the Bible says that the bridegroom came while they were out to buy oil. And when they came back, they knocked on the door and they said, Lord, Lord. And he said, I don't, I don't know you. You see, I can never read that scripture without laughing anymore because I remember when I was a kid, we did a play of the ten virgins and, uh, and one of the kids is knocking on the door. And he's supposed to shout out, Lord, Lord, open, let me in. And instead he shouts out, Lord, Lord, sell me some oil. And ever since then, I can't read that scripture, but yet I feel as if almost that's how we are today. We want to get all that oil from God rather than realize it comes from us. It comes from us. Come on, how many of you ever feel like you just can't make it in this Christian walk? Oh, just be honest. It's because you don't have enough oil. You can't, you can't, you, you can't go on doing the minimum and expect the maximum. The minimum has become our mentality as Christians. I came to church on Sunday. I feel good. I feel great. And everybody knows that that feeling don't last good on Sunday. Sunday for me has become one of the days the devil tries to get me the most. Oh, yeah. So am I right? Somebody know what I'm talking about. If you ain't getting attacked by the enemy, you ain't a threat, so you should be afraid. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that you go to church and receive a word from the Lord, and you get a phone call right after where somebody's trying to upset you, you go home and somebody did something crazy, oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. You feel like you can't get through the week because you don't have enough oil. You don't have anything. You are disconnected, disenchanted, and you are dying in a prison of misery that you built for yourself. You find no joy in the things of God. You find no purpose, and it's because you have none. And I would challenge you today. I came to tell you one thing. Many of you need more oil from the Lord. Many of you need more oil. You have got to give God a better sacrifice. You see, the story of Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel both gave a sacrifice, but the difference of one from the other was God accepted one and not the other because it was his best and the other didn't give his best. And so, and so the one who gave his best was murdered by the one who did not give his best. And it's much like church goes these days when somebody gives better than somebody else and they see it, they talk about them and they kill them with their words. Church, I'm telling you that God desires more of you. God desires more of you, more from you. God wants a better, stronger relationship with God. Can't you understand that everything you want from God, He wants from you? You want God to be faithful? Anybody here want God to be faithful? Man, God wants you to be faithful. Anybody want to be blessed by God? God wants you to bless him. Oh, this is, this, we could do this all day. Isn't this crazy? How many of you want God to give you money? 
Katcha. Everything you expect from God, God expects from you. So why do you think that you will get what you expect without giving what he expects? Oh, I don't see why God this and I don't see why God that because you haven't either. And so we are asleep at the wheel. We are sleeping while God needs us the most and we are preoccupied with what we want and what we don't need. And we don't realize that God needs us more than ever. The world needs you as a Christian more than ever. Never before in history has real Christians needed to stand up than right now. Never before in, in ever, ever, ever has there been such a need for moral men and women to stand up and live and be for a purpose that actually counts. But the reason we do not stand up, the reason we don't stand up is because we know we are not living right and we don't measure up. And we can't lift the standard that is way over our heads. And so, and rather than raise our, raise our standards, we rather just not get up at all for God. We are so, so asleep. You are so asleep on God. You must realize God desires more. He needs a better communion with you. He needs a better relationship with you. You don't realize that God has put you for a purpose. And all you do is sit in the presence of God and enjoy the presence. And you don't ever, ever give God what he needs or deserves. Many in here are, are like the five wise virgins doing all they can. But many more are like the five foolish ones don't have enough oil for their lamps and their Christianity keeps snuffing out and it keeps burning out and this gets blown out by the smallest of storms and the smallest of winds and we don't have a fire for God and we don't have a passion for God. The only time we run to God is when things get at the worst and we just cannot tolerate it no more and we are running to the cross. I told you it wouldn't feel good today. You've got to understand that God is holding you to a higher standard. And there's coming a day where you will pay. My father told me something, and I'll never forget it. He said, there's a high price to pay for low living. It's a high price to pay for low living. And many of us are facing that price. You can struggle with your thoughts of, is there a God? Is there not a God? You can struggle with your thoughts of, I just don't feel it today. I don't believe it today. In the end, you're going to hold account to God. And if God don't use you, he'll just work somebody else next to you. And don't get mad when you see somebody else walking in the destiny God had for you. Because it's coming a day that many of us in this place will be overlooked by God, I promise you. Many of you who've been here all your life and haven't stood up for the purpose that God has for you, he will overlook you, he will go to the next person, and don't get upset when it happens. God desires for us to either get up or get out. Stand up, step aside. The day is coming as the day of Joshua when he said, choose you this day whom you are. So he drew a line and said, hey, stand on one or the other side. Where are you at? Do you serve God or do you serve yourself? Stand with me. Do you serve God? Do you serve yourself? 
Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> Truth be told, come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed. Truth be told, uh, if I made an altar call, I know in my spirit this place would be too packed for an altar call. We all wouldn't make it to the front because I believe so many of us fall in this category of just being asleep at the wheel in our spirits. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just asleep on God. Not caring what he wants, not caring what he needs. Waking up on a daily basis concerned with your own needs, your own existence, and never, never saying, Master, Father, what can I do for you? Come on, nobody's looking at you, but you know, I'm not going to make you come to the front because there's so many of us who I know need this, but if that's you and you're saying, yeah, you know, Pastor, I'm falling asleep at the wheel many times in my spirit, I want you just to, as an act of faith and as, as an act of submission, just raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're saying, you know, I'm falling. I'm not measuring up to what God wants me to do. And I, I, I'm trying, but I just don't know the whole way to get there. Come on, I bet you raise your hand, raise your hand. Come on, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you're saying, you know, I, I want to do more for God. I want better in my life. I just can't do it. I don't know why, but I know I'm falling asleep. I need God's help to wake me up. Come on, if that's you, raise your hand. Thank you. The hands are going up all across this room. Nobody's watching you. Everyone's eyes are closed. I'm not living up to your expectations, God. I don't have enough oil in my life, Father God. I don't have oil in my lamp, God. Well, come on, if that's you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Oh, God's telling me there's people here who, who are, are not committed the way you used to be. God said, I want you to be committed the way you used to be. I want you to serve me the way you used to be. In spite of your issue, in spite of your situation, I need you to serve me the way you used to. And stop backing away step by step. Stop backing up moment by moment. Because there will come a day when you'll be too far to return to where God has you to be. Come on, God's calling for you. God's calling you. Come on. I'm about to pray. Is there anybody else? Shoot your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? You're saying, man, pastor, that's me. I'm just not measuring up. I am a lazy, sleepy Christian. I'm drowsy in my spirit. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I need God to wake me up in my heart. Thank you. Come on. If you raise your hand, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, awaken my spirit that I may know what it is you have for me to do awaken me my mind my soul my body I don't want to sleep when you need me the most teach me father to live your way for your purpose for your goodness for your glory that I may honor you in all that I do that I may give you praise every day that I may serve you and that I may follow you and live for you and live in you every day. This I pray in Jesus' name. And the church says amen. Come on, I want you to hug somebody next to you and tell them God has purpose for you. Just grab somebody and tell them God loves you.